Welcome to Animation One to Ones, brought to you by Squiggly Online Animation Magazine. This is Ben Mitchell, editor in chief at Squiggly. Very happy to present a really wonderful chat between Squiggly contributor Ryan Gore and the creator of Nimona, N.D. Stevenson. Released on Netflix earlier this year and billed as, quote, an epic tale about finding friendship in the most surprising situations and accepting yourself and others for who they are, end quote. The film is adapted from Stevenson's National Book Award-nominated and New York Times best-selling graphic novel that tells the story of the titular teen shapeshifter Nimona and her adventures as sidekick to wronged knight Ballister Boldheart. The film adaptation is directed by Nick Bruno and Troy Quayne, based on a screenplay by Robert L. Baird and Lloyd Taylor. Alongside being known for the much-loved comic series Lumberjanes, which picked up multiple Eisner Awards, Andy Stevenson initially introduced Nimona to the world as a webcomic in the early 2010s, which would ultimately see itself published in Snag and Eisner of its own, among other accolades. His career in animation has included writing work on Disney's Wander Over Yonder and showrunning the acclaimed 2018 reboot of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. While ongoing attempts to translate the world of Nimona to a feature film were stymied by delays and cancellations, before finding a home on Netflix with production house Annapurna Pictures, which got it over the finish line. And I bet they're glad they did, because it's been an absolute smash, rated north of 90% on Rotten Tomatoes by audiences and critics alike. Of course, what makes Nimona such an effective adaptation is that it isn't a direct lift of the source material, it makes pains to give itself its own sense of identity, thanks to its design approach and the animation labours of DNEG, and before its initial cancellation, Blue Sky. Ryan and N.D. go into some of the decisions and battles on that front of the interview, as well as a whole bunch more. In fact, let's go ahead and hand it over to them. This is Ryan Gore speaking with Nimona creator N.D. Stevenson. First of all, it's really, really great to talk to you. Um, thank you so much for making time for this. I know Manchester was crazy and exhausting, so I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm recovering, but I'm glad, I'm glad we could reconnect. Glad we can make it work. Great. So I want to talk about like that experience, not just in Manchester, but taking the Mona around the world really this year. Uh, how has the ride of 2023 been? I mean, it's been like, it's been incredible. Um, I, you know, I, I think especially after so long of just like really not knowing what the future of this project was and if it would end in you know just kind of like sadness and grief or if it would you know like what was going to happen um the odds of it turning out in this way um were so seemed so uh small for a lot of the time and so like i think there has just been this kind of like energy um that you know it's not just enjoying um getting to show this movie to the world and see people's reactions but it's also knowing like appreciating how close it was to not happening um so there's a sort of like you know like uh, oh you've got like the doctor said that you're gonna live and <laughs> you know doing your bucket list but you have all the time in the world now um <laughs> so it, it's been it's been really great and i think just like the best part is being um you know, these responses of people all over the world, like people who uh, this story reached them um, in all these different places because of Netflix. So it's been mm. it's been really amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not even just because of Netflix. Like, Nimona, just as a name, means so much to so many people. I remember I uh, saw the world premiere in Annecy, and I just tweeted about seeing it, and my DMs were full of fans just being like, is this in the movie? What about this kind of thing? <laughs> so how have you kind of gauged a reaction from people who are familiar with the property but also are new to it this year? I mean, again, it's it's one of those things that I think is is very hard to do and is not a guarantee um, to be able to both win over new fans and also the old fans. Um, but from what I've seen, people are people love both people who found the book through the movie or the the movie through the book. Um, there are people, you know, I get a lot of questions like, you know, why did you cut Golden Lion's hair or like, you know, why did you why is it Blitzfire in it? And it's like I'm like I get that um, disappointment, but it's also like those even like, you know, those quibbles are such a small, just like such a small portion of that feedback. You mm-hmm. know, it's something that like people who've loved this book for years, um, for like the better part of a decade are coming to the movie and, and loving it for what it is for its own merits. Um, and the people who, who weren't even aware of the book, who bought it because of the movie, like are, you know, even though they are pretty different, um, these two these two things seem to exist in conversation with each other in a way mm-hmm. that, again, I just do not take for granted because um, there are a lot of versions of this movie where that's not true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's been really great just seeing, like, seeing just, like, how many different people are coming to it from so many different, um, like, places and walks of life. Yeah. When you do a panel like you did in Manchester and people kind of swarm you afterwards and, and talk to you, what's like the number one thing people say? What's the thing that people say the most in response to you? I hear a lot of personal stories. I hear like, you know, this is like the first time that I've ever seen myself, that I've ever felt mm-hmm. seen. You know, this made me feel like I could come out. This made me feel like I could have this conversation with a loved one that I've been putting off. Um it is pretty incredible. I mean, like you, you end up becoming kind of, um, I guess a, a steward of so many people's like extremely personal. I think that's, uh, that's part of what comes from being, um, so open and personal in, a, in a, and, and putting a story like that out there is that people see themselves and they want to share a part of themselves as well. Um, so it is, it's, it's intense. It's, um, it, it, it's a big responsibility. Um, but it also is something that I, you know, like I'm just really awestruck by it. I would say that like so many people, I think as queer people, we all had that one event or that one person or that one, you know, piece of media that we saw that made something click into place for us. Um, and I know I had that in so many ways. And so to be able to pass on that little spark of inspiration um, is a huge responsibility and a huge honor. Yeah. So like when you create a character, they tend to like represent something to you, whether that's like a, a particular emotion or they represent like a specific time in your life. Has the film adaptation in this year as a whole changed what Nimona represents to you? I think that I've sort of been on a journey of like what Nimona means to me changing by merit of her no longer being, you know, her origin story is so much 
there, there are so many negative emotions wrapped up in that, mm-hmm. like coming from the place where I was when I created her like that in so many ways, it was trying to take those negative feelings and externalize them in some ways. I think that a lot of my work is like this, you know, kind of taking the parts of myself, both that I aspire to be, but also that I'm ashamed of and putting them outside of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I earlier on, yeah, I, I think that like, I really, I really didn't know if that character was going to, if, if people were going to like her because I didn't know if they were going to like me. Um, and so I think that this whole journey of, of seeing the ways that people are expressing, like, this is not, you know, this isn't just this, like, this event, this like diary entry, this is something that is meaningful to a lot of people because those feelings are, are universal and, and they're not worthy of, of, they're not something to be ashamed of. Um, and I think the only way I came to like really accept that was by seeing how people, how open people were to that character, how much they loved that character, um, and expressing like love and support. Every time I watch this movie, um, in an audience full of people, um, I sort of marvel at that, that, you know, this character that everyone here is, is rooting for her. Everyone here is seeing themselves in her. And it feels like this, you know, this kind of like, hand of grace reaching back all the way to that place where I was when it was, when it all began. Um, and so I think that on the one hand, it's like she stayed herself, um, at, at the core the whole time. And yet like herself is someone who's always changing. Um, that's how, that's who she is when she's the truest to herself. And so on, in that way, she's been changing the whole time, I think. Um, and the way I've thought about her, um, has really evolved. Uh, it, it feels like she just keeps getting, this story just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I see this character, um, on this journey that I never anticipated. So in that way, I think that, uh, there is, there are like a lot of new feelings that I have around that. Um, but it's been really, I mean, I'm still just trying to get my head around that it's still so surreal, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, going back to that moment when you first heard that someone wanted to adapt Nimona to film, what was your reaction like? I think early on, I mean, like, especially early in my career, everything that came my way, I just always assumed it was fake or that, like, someone had, like, made a mistake or mixed up the names or something. Um, But I was like, all right, well, I mean, like, I'm not going to... I think I had this way early in my career that I sort of, like, miss now because I think I kind of lost this ability of, like, imposter syndrome was it I it manifested itself more like it's like well I mean if the door's open even if it's a mistake I'm gonna go in I'm gonna mm-hmm. touch everything I'm gonna go to the buffet and try everything at least once you know I'm like I'm not gonna say no I just think that you may be like meant someone else not me um and so like I Nimona was very much that way because you know I I just didn't really believe that it was gonna happen I was like this story is like this is not I mm-hmm. don't know like I I, I don't I can't really imagine it. I, and like, it's not typical of, uh, animated movies getting made. Um, but like, you know, I'll do, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, I'll, I'll help as much as I can. I will like, you know, I was willing to try, but I just like, didn't the idea of actually coming to an end in that journey and, and seeing like, seeing it have like a positive conclusion where it was first green lit. And then it like the process was one that was 
um, enjoyable, like the people were people I connected with, the product was what I was proud of. And then it, in the end, it actually came out like all of those things, just like they are not common in this industry. And I, I, I learned that more and more, um, as I, you know, work on my own things in this industry. Um, and so I feel still so just like boggled by the fact that like it did come out and I am proud of it. And I do love the people who made it. And I do have so many great memories along the way, um, along with some pretty traumatic ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, at the time I, I truly just could never even have begun to imagine any of this. Um, I think it's, I'm, I'm trying to embody a little bit of that this year, you know, of just like, all right, like, let's just like live it up. Like, let's just try and like remember everything I can and, and touch everything I can and, and um, just really, just really enjoy this because it was such, it was such a journey getting here. And, and there are just so many versions of this story that don't end this way. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I've just been trying to take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when were you certain that Troy and Nick were the right people to take on the project? I really think, like, so for background, like, you know, they came on, um, I, I want to say about five years into the project. So it had been mm-hmm. kind of like spinning its wheels, uh, not spinning its wheels. I mean, there are a lot of people trying really hard to make this happen. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of reasons, it wasn't, it, it was becoming this kind of like frustration, like kind of trying to get a car out of the mud, like that kind of like, mm-hmm. it's like it, it, it would go and slide back and get stuck again. Um, and, uh, like, I think when Nick and Troy, Nick and Troy were already internal at Blue Sky, I actually hadn't met them before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they were brought on, I was like, you know, a little jaded, a little tired from the whole experience. And I was like, who the fuck are these guys? Are they going to be cool? You know, like, I'm going to like test them a little bit. I want to make sure that like, you know, they, they, they're like, you know, I just like, I, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, and I came into it and like, you know, I think, I think the experience when you meet them, like now that I know them, I like, this is really funny to me, but you meet them and they're always like, they're kind of like joke a minute guys and like come in and they're like, you know, they're riffing, they're having fun. And I'm just like, I'm like, so like dead inside at this point. I'm so tired. <laughs> like, All right. You know, like what, why do you want to do this movie? Like, why is this, you know, like what, you know, just kind of like, like like putting them to the test you know and immediately what like won me over right away is that that like like they immediately just like opened up and like went so sincere and like showed me their hearts and it became this incredibly emotional meeting in the end you know we talked about like reasons why this was something that they felt re- like they really needed to do, that they were the right people to do it, but they also had their own reasons that were incredibly important for them and emotional for why they needed to do this and get it right. Not just like why they needed to be the people, but because they had something that would help this movie get made right. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, I was ready to not be won over, they won me over from that first meeting. Um, and you know, like, I, I just always like that, that willingness to be vulnerable, that willingness to ask questions and listen and show the parts of yourself, um, you know, that like are, uh, it can be 
really hard to show to someone you just met over Zoom. Um, and, you know, from then on, it was just like they... Like, and I felt heard, you know, like I, I was voicing frustrations that I'd had from seeing like this go nowhere for so long. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they really like, they let me voice that. And then they like, after that meeting, they like made sure that I was like part of that conversation again. Um, and that like, you know, they, they came to me with questions about like, you know, like this is their movie, they're the directors. They had this huge gargantuan task ahead of them of bringing together these crews, making this movie happen. Um, and like, there is absolutely no, there's no obligation to include the original creator in that. That's something mm-hmm. that I've always like accepted. Like, it's like, if this story that you want to tell is better off without me being an active voice in it, then I understand that is completely fair. Um, but they didn't do that. They came to me and they asked questions about the, the thinking behind the characters and what, like, what made them tick and what made me tick and what had gone into certain parts of the story and why I felt certain things were important. Um, just ways of like getting to the heart of what the story was about while still doing what the movie needed to be done. Um, and so I'll say like right away, like, I just like, they won me over. Like it was such a, like, like, and then, like, the first time we met in person, which I think was probably about a year after that, like, it was just, like, we couldn't stop hanging out. We just, like, kept, we just, like, kept wanting to, like, it started with just, like, a dinner, and we just, like, kept wanting to, like, go to new places all night and hang out, and I was, like, this is something really special. This is, like, this is a connection here. Um, and so I felt really, really lucky because it was kind of just, you know, fortuitous. These were guys who were rolling off of their last movie right exactly at this moment when, when... Mm-hmm you know, they were needed on the Mona, it was kind of like an arranged marriage in some ways. And yet, like, I could not be more pleased at how that, uh, how it's worked out. And, and these like friends for life that I have now. That's really lovely. Um, <laughs> did you have kind of like a, a Nimona Bible, you know, like a, a book of rules of what you could and couldn't change with the character? I didn't have a I didn't have anything like that. I, I certainly didn't have any because it, it was a webcomic that was self-directed. I didn't um, really have anything like that written down. I wasn't even planning on pitching it to anyone. I was mm. just going to make it. <laughs> I'm healing out as I went. Um, so when in the early stages of Nimona, I really didn't. I, I had conversations with um, uh, the original director, Patrick Osborne, and the original writer. Um, but even then, like I, I, I tried to be really open. You know, I didn't want to be like... I, I still feel this way. I think an adaption is really special in that, like, it has to be its own thing. You have to find a new angle into it. Um, so just trying to be supportive of that. But I did find that there were ways that I didn't even expect, um, that I just felt like this immediately kind of like gut instinct, like that's wrong. The character wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I would have seen those coming necessarily until I saw them done that way. And it was only then that I could sort of like verbalize certain things. I'm like, I just don't think that this is the character. Um, and so that became kind of my role for a while. It was just kind of trying to refocus. And a lot of times like people weren't necessarily, um, I don't know. I think that there was kind of like this character was so atypical that, um, you know, there's just a lot of conversation about how to make her more understandable to people. And like already, if you're having that conversation about her, you've kind of already lost character she's someone else um so i think with with nick and troy i had sort of seen five years of the character like not quite um not quite being the one that i 
recognized. And so if Nick and Troy actually did write up a document of just like the rule or, or things that I've been able to verbalize during the process that I probably wouldn't have been able to before, but things mm. that were like, you know, she never sits in a chair normally. Like she never, like every panel she's in a different position. She moves all around. She almost teleports yeah. around the page. Like she's here, she's there. She doesn't really have time to get there, but like she makes the other characters follow her everywhere she goes. Um, things like that. Like she doesn't show sadness by like, you know, she, she hides it. She turns away, mm -hmm. she covers it up with kind of being surly or with anger, like things like that, things that had felt like, off about like other versions of her that I'd seen. And so I wrote up this whole document and sent it to them, like not even knowing if they were going to read it because like, again, they don't really have to, but um, the next version of the screening that I saw, like it was, I, I, those things started to come through. Like, uh, and I, like immediately the very first screening that I saw, I was like, that's her. You know, there, yeah. I saw a ton of notes, like I was super annoying, but like, I was <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's her. Like that's, for the first time, this character that I recognized was starting to like jump out of the movie um and i think it came from that curiosity of just like what made her tick and and what made her her um so that was really cool yeah there's like a a, a critique of the movie i've seen a few times i'm interested to get your perspective on um a lot of people felt empowered by nimona's graphic novel design because she's a shapeshifter who chose to be a not straight bodied thin person, right? Well, in the movie, she is straight bodied. So, how did you feel about that change and the response to it? It's interesting. I think this is one where I'm also like, me and the other filmmakers are pretty close to this one. So, mm -hmm. I think we know how hard it was to even for the character to be as curvy as she was. Mm -hmm. um, it, yes, she's not as curvy as she is in the comics, but. It's, uh, it's bleak out there. I will mm. say, um, I, I know how, I know how this feels. Um, I feel very passionately about, um, showing, uh, body diversity in my work and having those characters be the main character when so often they're shunted to supporting roles. Um, but like, it was like, I mean, like there were huge fights that I think even people who assumed that this wouldn't, who had never really experienced this in their own lives were suddenly um fighting fights that they like that really kind of just really floored everybody i think it was um we just like fighting for her to look to have any part of that yeah. reflected it it's pretty gross. <laughs> um, and so I think that like, I, I really love the design for the movie because I know what she went through to look that way. Mm -hmm. um, I know what we went through. I mean, um, and uh, so like, yeah, like I, I still like, I love the character's design from the comic. Um, I think at a certain point when you're working on a movie but like that's a project this big that has so many different eyes on it and so many rounds of notes coming from so many different directions um at a certain point you're like all right this is the movie as it exists um and this is this version of the character um i am i'm i'm glad for the way that she like feels true to the comic character um because like that was not always the conversation being had sure. uh yeah. Yeah. There are other people who can speak to that conversation a little bit more. I know Aiden Sagana, who's the production designer, um, 
uh, was one of the people, uh, yeah, he has like a slide in the, um, presentation that we give where, you know, it's, it's like the really long, like lollipop women that you see so often mm. in animation next to Nimona with her, like, you know, thick legs and she's short and she's chubby and like, um, and then she like smashes all their legs and like, <laughs> but it was just this like, um, uh, doodle of frustration for him you mm. know of just like why is this even a discussion why are we having this discussion like why would this you know it yeah. was uh yeah there was a lot behind the scenes I, I can imagine yeah um so for my final question i just want to ask from the comic to the film what would you say is the maintaining message of nimona i think that the comic became like it started i think it started as a kind of like cry for help i think you start out like the comic starts as a very funny light sort of like gag strip adventure Mm -hmm. um and nimona is this comedic you know like adorable character but um you know the more you learn about her the more you you learn about the darkness in her and the pain um and the anger Mm -hmm. um and i think that I don't know how aware of this I was at the time, but like I was expressing something that I needed to express. And it was in part, you know, like I was also trying to be the cute, lovable version of myself while feeling like there was something that people were going to, that people were going to be afraid of, that people were going to hate, that would hurt people when it came out. Um, and so I think that making that comic originally was kind of like testing those waters about, you know, what would that reaction be if you did find out that someone that you loved was a monster underneath? Um, and so I think the message of the comic at first was just sort of like this messy, like scream into the void. Um, and then that started to change because it became this community project in some way by becoming a webcomic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started to become more about, you know, it, it became about accepting people and loving people even when there is no fixing something, I guess, or fixing someone. Um, you know, it was really... I. Honestly, it's a, it's a story about loving someone with mental illness. Um, and that story, you know, the, the book is a lot darker. It has a lot more kind of like raw edges. Um, and then because I guess it's those like, you know, the many hands of like people loving this character, reaching out and, and expressing their own stories and realizing that I wasn't alone in these feelings, um, the message started to become one more and more of love and acceptance of like, of seeing someone and loving them without understanding them. But it had this much more positive angle on it. This version where, you know, like there isn't, it's it's not the end. It's not the breaking of the relationship. It's one of, um, that like sometimes, the solution is easier than it feels from the inside. Sometimes it is just one person saying, I see you. Mm-hmm. And that was something that seemed that I, I didn't believe at the time or couldn't understand at the time. But now having seen like how much my life has changed and seen how much, um, you know, the stories that people have expressed to me about how much that character has meant to them, that positive 
angle on it doesn't feel it feels completely it feels completely correct because i've seen the difference that that can make in someone's life um and uh so yeah i, I really think that that story is just it's about two people who kind of fix some part in each other while not being able to understand or fix everything but there is even if there's just like one piece that you can kind of um heal in someone else that sometimes that's enough and i think that both sends out a message to people who are struggling that there are people who will know you and and understand you and and love you and to people who love someone like that that it's you know sometimes this simple action of telling someone that you're there for them and that you're not going anywhere um, can completely change a life. Um, and so I think that that's the message that this story, just the journey that this story has been on, um, that's the story it's been telling. Um, so I, it's pretty, it's pretty cool uh, being a part of that and seeing that happen. Um, and it's also, you know, it started with this, really personal expression, but it's become so much bigger than me. And now I'm just kind of along for the ride and um, really grateful to be along for the ride, but it's, it's come so far and I believe that it's going to keep going too. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for talking to Split. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Ryan Gore and ND Stevenson for that fantastic chat. And you can watch Nimona on Netflix now. For more on ND's work, you can follow him at Ginger Hazing on Instagram and <sighs> X. His website is I'mFineImFine.com. Thanks for listening to this episode, and Squiggly will be back with at least a couple more podcasts before the year is through. I can guarantee you that. So keep your eyes and ears open. You won't miss a thing, of course, if you follow us on Instagram at Squiggly Animation or Facebook.com slash Squiggly Magazine. We're also at Squiggly on uh, X. The website, of course, is squiggly.com. S-K-W-I-G-L-Y. Before I sign off, a quick plug for you Bristol and Bristol-adjacent animation folks, or really anyone who fancies making the trek. We're doing another edition of BAM! Bristol Animation Meetup with our pals at Sun and Moon Studios and Rumpus Animation on Thursday, December 14th from 6.30pm. These have been great fun, so I hope to see you there. As before, it'll take place at King Street Brewhouse, and we have an assortment of industry professionals who are kindly giving their time for one-on-one -on -one consultations. You can check out our Insta for info on who'll be there and how to book a slot. There's also going to be a raffle and some other festive surprises, so come on by. It'll be a blast. Final plug, the Squiggly Book Independent Animation, developing, producing, and distributing your animated films, a treasure trove of inspirational insight from some of the best names of the indie animation scene, including Kirsten Lepore, Bill Plimpton, Signa Bauman, Robert Kondo, Dice Sumi, Robert Morgan, Joseph Wallace, Don Hertzfeld, Pez, David O'Reilly, literally dozens more, as well as festival programmers, producers, curators. It's very dense. And it's on sale from now through to January 5th. That's right, if you buy it from Routledge.com, they've lopped off a whopping 20% off the usual price. And there's free international shipping as well. What a holiday treat for yourself or the indie animation enthusiast in your life. I've been Ben Mitchell, and I'll be back soon. Until then, happy animating.